the Pro Tools Expert podcast with Mike Thornton, James Ivey, and Julian Rogers. Welcome to the Pro Tools Expert podcast number 339. It's the 1st of October 2018. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm James Ivey. And I'm Julian Rogers. Michael Carnes of Exponential Audio has very kindly shared another tip that works in the second generation Exponential Audio plugins. Those are Nimbus, R4, Stratus and Symphony, which have a set of controls at the bottom of the tail page. These controls operate the tail suppression circuit. This is useful in many different ways. And we'll have the tip in full in the podcast notes showing how tail suppression can work on drums, which by their very nature have very strong transients. These give a sense of presence, but they can also cause a sort of splash into the reverb. Tail suppression can tame that problem with absolutely no hint of pumping. We like that. We also have a podcast exclusive deal from Exponential Audio, but you'll have to wait a while to hear more about that one. Don't forget to check out the deals from our partners in our deals page. Highlights include Isotope offering introductory prices on RX7, Insight 2 and their new post-production suite 3, and Avid and Audient are both offering special discounts for students. Okay, let's move on to our talking points, and these are sponsored by Universal Audio. Thanks, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab DuPont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Do you have some chinks in your Universal Audio UAD2 plug-in armor? Right now, the team at UA are offering you the chance to build your own custom plug-in bundles of three, six, or ten plugins from one low price and save up to 60%. Just pick your bundle option and then choose your plugins. It's that simple. You can find out more in the link in the podcast notes below. Okay, first talking point. Um Mojave uh, appeared. Not Mojave. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I thought I'd just jump in there. <laughs> and not Mojave with an H, as uh, somebody managed to spell it. <laughs> not me. So, um, we ha- obviously, we have our uh, searchable database, which uh, we're updating every day, uh, many times, as more information comes in about uh, different brands' compatibility with... Mojave, um, but we've also uh, had a detail from Avid. In fact, they were so concerned they chose to email all the Pro Tools users, advising us not to upgrade to Mojave just yet, as they got a few problems with it, which again are all in the article. But what I wanted to pick out today was uh, I found the uh, discussion from the community to this particular article. Uh, very interesting in terms of the range of issues that uh, have been covered so far in those comments. Um, before we go any further, perhaps each of you would like to uh, point out something that uh, jumped off the page at you, shall we say, in, in terms of the comments. Well, there was an awful lot of it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type stuff. Um, and I happen to be in that kind of camp. At the moment, I have no intention of upgrading, updating, up anything Um I'm sure Mojave will bring 
eventually everything will be fixed. But I have no intention, and this is one I've seen quite a lot, I've, I've got no intention of being a beta tester for Apple or Avid, um, especially not on a machine that has to work, you know. So if, as we always, always say, if you are in the middle of a project uh, that is dear to you, either financially or uh, creatively or personally, just don't do it. Don't upgrade. Don't change anything. Because if you're working and everything's great, I guarantee you when you upgrade to and put the unknown in the situation, something's going to fall over. And Avid, I think, have done the right thing in this case, and they're not yet supporting it, which is fine. I'm totally, totally happy with that as, as a, a corporate decision. Julian? My take on it is that um, uh, third parties don't have to support a new operating system as soon as it comes out. Um, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to end up agreeing what, with what James just said, but by a slightly different route of just um, what is the pressure to update? I'm nowhere near Mojave. I'm, I'm not even quite sure what OS I'm on. But um, until things start dropping off, then, you know, why do you need to move at all? Um, personally, I find the whole idea of OS upgrades just kind of like horribly time-consuming and things that I'll kick down the road almost endlessly. So, frankly, what is the hurry? It's not like that with everything. I mean, iOS update, same day, there you go. But that's my phone. That's, you know, that's only my phone, which for some people, I'm sure that would be the other way around. Their phone's far more important to them than their computer is, but I'm certainly not like that. Um yeah, fair enough. It, this is clear communication. This is find find an issue and point it out. Um, in terms of timing, they you know get it straight out as quick as you can. Don't worry about finding out exactly what it is because the point of the email is to tell people stop, don't do it. Um, there we are. Does it contradict anything they put out in advance? I mean, this came out. That nope. did this was timely with the with the public release of of Mojave, wasn't yes, it? Yes, exactly. So I, I and, can't fault. And- anything that they've done here at all no certainly uh, i don't fault avid at all i think it's one of the interesting sort of threads in some of the discussion is you know how come avid can't have this supported day one they've had access to the betas um since i mean certainly since the public beta went out back in june um back in june but so why can't they be ready almost day one like you know, a good number of other brands have uh, uh, announced support. Um, what I would say to that point is, um, as we, as anybody who's been involved in beta testing for anybody, uh, and by their very nature, we can't say who, because that would be breaking the NDA, which we agreed when we <laughs> were beta testers. But um, anybody who's been a beta tester will know that the final version that's released may well be different by uh, a small amount or a significant amount from some of the versions uh, throughout the beta program. So you can't assume that if it worked in even the last beta version, it's going to work fine in the released version. So uh, it one wouldn't expect uh, any brand to be able to be sure um also some of the brands we're dealing with have got a small number of, of products with, that are not particularly demanding and don't necessarily hook into the OS um they hook into things like you know any plugin is is not really hooking into the OS it's hooking into a DAW um something like pro tools is hooking into the OS at a wide range of of places and levels 
any one of which uh, could cause a problem. Um, so I, I don't really buy into the uh, why can't Avid have got it done day one. And also, frankly, I would rather they took their time and got it right than rush something out that then doesn't work. Um, we've seen that before, uh, and it's just not worth it. I suppose uh, it's it's a matter of uh, you've got an operating system and a piece of software, and they work together correct as well uh, as well as they can a new a new operating system comes out and all it is is it's it's a series of changes from what there was before in terms of what the 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 software you want to run on it wants to see and at some point you might have something that that stops that working and really yes. the thing that that you've just said i suppose is that at what point did mojave break pro tools and that's something that we're not going to know from where we are so because of that, if it doesn't work, if if they bring out their first version that goes out to Avid and something's broken, then they've got however long it is to to fix it. But like you say, with these um, uh, with these changes that happen, if if the thing that gets changed, the last minute fix that's two days before release is what breaks Pro Tools, then clearly you're not going to be ready in time. So looking at when looking at when the beta went out, well, which beta isn't it really? Just because isn't it a case of Certainly, oh, in, yeah. in all the development I've been involved in, it's it's been a case of you know you're trying to Ongoing. trying to um, uh, create I don't know maybe maybe a, a tutorial on an old version of the software mm. with an incomplete manual <laughs> or a manual that hasn't been written and haven't figured as, it out. And so, as someone know. who has worked as part of a, a company that you know did try to support um, latest versions of OSs as soon as they did hit the the electronic shelves, as it were, uh, when I was with Sibelius. Um, one of the things that the dev team were always telling us is, and you've kind of alluded to it, uh, Mike, even the what they would call the RC, the release candidate of, of an yeah. OS, uh, the day it went live, there's plenty of stuff that fruit company didn't tell you they were doing between the RC, which you thought was going to be their gold master, call it what you will, and mm. the version that hits the streets. Plenty of times we had sort of, not panics is the wrong word, but certainly raised voices from the development area when they say, look what they've done, this wasn't in a previous build or this wasn't in what we were told was the final build. So, I, I, again, I I would rather not be beta testing for all these companies. I'd rather mm. have it to do the switch over when everything's nice and stable. I love the fact that someone put, is Windows better? Last time I checked, yeah. Windows doesn't run Mac OS. No, I think <laughs> but I think the point I think the point there was was the fact that when Windows comes out, it's you know, people have been able to check it and it's all working fine. Yeah, but it breaks everything usually. And well, new, I was going to ask version. you this because obviously having someone who's as someone uh, who doesn't use Windows, I have no idea whether Windows is any better or just different uh, at all these issues that we're talking about. I suspect it's different. It's it's different. <laughs> to be honest, I haven't yet been through a Windows version update. My um, HP thing Z840. Yes, it, 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 it came it has, with ten, and it it's came still... with ten. It's still on ten. Yes, upgrades, updates, and tweaks and things have been done. Um, I think the term "service pack" went away a long time ago. <laughs> um, 
but it's always it's always asking me to do updates and stuff and sometimes it gets halfway through and goes nah and i'm pretty sure anyone who's a windows user goes oh, no you need those updates they're really important why they do it in a high voice i don't know um <laughs> but my machine is still working and it's working really well. Um, that's the one with the fruit logo on or the one with the HP logo on. Um, and they're both working. They're both stable. They're both lovely. Reaches out, touches wood. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not in a hurry to break it. And I think at the moment that's what updating to the, the latest, greatest OS that's hot off the shelf uh, is going to do. So I'm not, and I never have. I suppose um, that I mean the thing here is that Avid draws such a lot of criticism for um for bugs which I mean we've spoken before about kind of how many of these bugs are actually are actually you know the fault of of Avid because it's it's very easy to blame um the container that's hosting your plugins because that's the bit that's crashing when actually it might well be a plugin you know there's a lot of variables yeah, that, can, yeah. that can cause that stuff but it's regular. Um, I, I mean, I've I've never actually looked at how uh, whether whether the speed of uh, OS releases for for Max has has sped up or stayed constant over the last I don't know ten years or so. I've really well, I've, all I can say is that High Sierra to uh, Mojave is twelve months almost to the day. Well, the the article I wrote for. Um, uh, High Sierra compatibility was published on the 25th of September 2017. Mojave, 24th of September 2018. Right, okay. So, yeah. So I mean, I, I can I can see what they're doing there. Um, if it if it takes a long time for um, for third parties like like Avid to catch up with uh, with OS releases, then obviously if there's if there's if they're working through issues then that means that kind of like, you know, maybe as much as kind of half the time, Pro Tools is going to be kind of struggling with the current. But, and when you've got something like Logic, which is developed in-house and has got, I'm sure, is in a much better situation to stay abreast of this stuff, then kind of that's yeah. that's a systemic disadvantage for all third-party developers when you've got these uh, regular updates. And as long as you can keep running an older version, I mean, you really should. I think you kind of owe it to yourself to be staying, you know, one or two OSs behind. Um, I'm, I'm, yet to, I'm yet to hear of a downside for that. But obviously, if you change hardware, you're kind of stuck. So how far back hardware-wise can we go? Because I'm quite, you know, I've got a Mac Pro um, that's been seriously upgraded with some nice extra bits and pieces in it. So am I going to be able to install Mojave on that as a test machine, say? Uh, if we're talking cheese grater Mac Pros, um, if you've got a cheese grater Mac Pro with a stock graphics card, it is not Mojave compatible. Um, you need what is called a metal a metal compatible GPU. Now, uh, for people like you and me, James, who've pimped our Mac Pros, uh, we're good. Oh, fine. Okay, uh, cool. And there Sorry. is a detailed article about which graphics cards are going to be good f for this. If we look at the broader range of Apple products, there, ha there have been a number of products which have effectively dropped off. So product Mac products which are um, High Sierra compatible, which aren't now high sierra uh, which aren't now mojave compatible so that includes a late 2009 macbook 
a mid-2010 MacBook Pro, late-2010 MacBook Air, mid-2010 Mac Mini, and a late-2009 iMac. So basically, we're looking now, with the exception of the Mac Pro, we're looking at machines that are mid-2012 or later. So that's six years ago. So any Mac that was made up to six years ago is definitely compatible. And then you can, for the Mac Pros, the cheese graters, you can extend that out to 2010. So an eight-year-old machine, as long as it has a, a, a compatible graphics card, is also compatible. So that's that's in computer terms. That's, that's going a back lifetime. A, that's a long way. I mean, <laughs> I remember when I remember when I remember when OS X came out, um, OS ten, if you will, um, and they said, "Okay, we are now stopping support for Motorola chips." Now hmm. the, that and you know that that was machines back a good 10, 15 years. Yeah, which was ridiculous. I mean, the fact that you know there's still eight nine years worth of support there mm. that's impressive really isn't it i mean it it's, it's 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 ludicrous because how many of us are still running those machines well the answer is in the mac pro Most world a lot <laughs> because those machines are still going strong i think you'll probably find it's the portables the macbook airs the macbook well, pros are my the macbook pro is a mid 2012 so i'm just in yeah, scraping so mine. in yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i and you know if uh, on the pretext of what we were talking about before if it ain't broke don't no, fix, fix it, it yeah um uh, the fact is that at the moment i am going through a complete uh, well i wiped the internal hard drive and started again because it to say it was a that it was an upgrade on top of an upgrade on top of an upgrade um is probably an understatement um and it was just grinding to a halt but anyway that's a side issue but yeah um i i suspect there are quite a lot of us uh, who have bought machines 2012 onwards um, that are still earning their living for us. Um, and there are still plenty of Mac Pro Mac Pro cheese graters out there that are going. Absolutely. Uh, and going strong. So so really what we've got is we've got um, two sets of people who are going to be affected by this. And you've got your kind of compulsive early adopters, which, yeah. um, you know, fair enough. I, I know people like that and definitely, you know... Um, who can do something about it, but if you jump before you looked, then you can end up in a bad place. But also just the people who through um through you know smoke coming out of the back of their old machine and having to get something new. That's the they're one the, the ones who are in a bad situation on Because effectively if you're buying current machine, it's almost certainly going to come with Mojave on it now. So oh, unless no, you can buy, you know, it is it it will. Yeah, that's what Apple does. Well, stuff that's stuff that's in stock, you know, already in the retail chain, as it were, may not. But anything that you know, if you go to Avid tomorrow and buy something from the Avid store, uh, the Apple store. So if you go to the Apple site and get buy something from the Apple store, it's going to have Mojave on it. But of course, you then want to run Pro Tools on it, and therein lies a rub. I I remember this is going back. I think. Uh, well, it is definitely going back to the old OS 9, OS 8 days when um, DigiDesign, as it was then, had to buy a shed load of Macs because it was the point at which they made a major change and you and the current Apple products wouldn't run Pro Tools any which way or whatever. And it was like, you ha oh, yeah. So um, 
but the, it is an issue, and I think the own, the other constituency that may have uh, maybe getting a bit concerned about the time the time it's taking Avid to fix it. Hey, we're we're a week since Mojave was released, but anyway, um, are people for who need to upgrade to Mojave for other reasons, for other products that may be running on their machine? Um. But I think you're right. Probably the most likely to be affected is someone buying a brand new machine today, tomorrow. Um, and unfortunately, hardware being as it is, sometimes those purchases are unplanned and uh, yes. compulsory. Yes, they certainly are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we've all been there. Um, so, uh, yes, so uh, we very much would reiterate uh, it's the advice that we put in our compatibility article. It's the advice Avid are giving. Uh, and it's the, it's interesting as as the um, uh, statements are coming in from, from various brands for, for us to put in the data searchable database. Um, again, more often than not, brands are saying, yeah, okay, we're 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 supported. We can handle it, but make but wait until your host DAW is supported. Now, obviously, at, um, Logic Pro is supported you'd, you'd day think. one, uh, but in terms of other DAWs, um, probably not. I mean, certainly, we know Avid's not, and that's why they took, you know, the, why they were so concerned as to make sure. Uh, by emailing the user base um, and uh, top marks for doing that to make absolutely clear to anybody who hadn't taken the trouble to do the research uh, that this was not a good idea. And on that point, I think we'll move on. Uh, competitions. The small but perfectly formed team at Puzzle Factory Sound Studios are giving the production expert community an exclusive chance to win one of two tickets for the next Mixed Direction Masterclass with mix engineer Dax Linier, which will be held on the 27th of October 2018. The draw for this competition will take place on the 10th of October, so you have just over a week to click on the win page and sign up. And our friends at SX Pro Audio are celebrating their 10-year anniversary with a massive giveaway. Visit the SX Pro Audio website to enter for free and be in with a chance of winning one of the amazing studio prizes. Okay, second talking point um, was uh, was a post that Dan put up um, about common Pro Tools session sharing fails. Um, and uh, I thought we'd talk about this, especially as James. This is uh, this is. You might as really well say, "Welcome much... to my world." Yes, yeah. <laughs> that'll do. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I butted in. Sorry. No, no, absolutely fine. It, it I was it very much is as you say is your world. Um, so we've got, uh, so presumably, I suspect you can say yes, 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 and yes. Yes. I, I, rather boringly, I completely concur and agree with every single one of Dan's points. Um, the only thing I would sometimes add to this is that they people can go the other way, especially with point number one, unnecessarily large download sizes. Now, that often relates to one of two things. Either they've done a number of takes of a particular track and they've given you every single take in the Pro Tools session, not always essential. Or um, what people can sometimes do is they'll do a mix 
they'll do a bounce and include the click track in the bounce, which quite frankly is about as much used as a chocolate fire guard. And that's me being very polite because it means I can't control. I'm a drummer. I want to hear the click possibly louder than most would expect. Um, so when you're do- even if you're doing a bounce and you think, right, what I'll do is I'll slim this down to the lim- to the minimum number of tracks that I need to send to someone. Give us at least, say, certainly if the person is the drummer, you're you're getting drums added onto your masterpiece. At least give us a bass part, a lead vocal part. You can have keyboards and all the sort of the mid range stuff, keyboards, guitars lumped into a stereo send or into a stereo pair, but we need bass, we need the vocals, and we need a separate click track. It's so, so, so important if you want us to play in time because that's a real personal thing. Um, Certainly I've started requesting uh, if the track is in any kind of um, sort of mix-ready state minus what I'm adding, just send me the, if you like, the, the... What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, come on, working right. mix. Yeah, like, basically the, guide the sta- mix. Yeah, the the state it's in at the moment. I don't need all your previous takes and all the bits that that eventually made up the guitar solo. I just need anything that that any sound that needs to be committed, committed. Now you can bounce all your keyboards down to a stereo pair if you like. I don't care. Um, but at least give me a bit of control and a bit of comfort when I actually come to play and. and you know, put my moment of genius onto your creative masterpiece. Uh, yeah. So, Stop. James, a question. <laughs> uh, click yep. track. So in that case, do you um, are you expecting to receive uh, a, a click track track or are you expecting to receive a print of the, the noise the click track made? I would like both. Uh, if you're sending me a session, uh, a Pro Tools session, I would like any of your tempo changes put into the tempo ruler that way i can use my click instrument and my click settings that i like in my pro tool session i'm not bothered whether you you prefer the mpc click or clave or cowbell (laughs) i've got my particular setup that works for me and i'm used to hearing i'm used to playing along with um if you do choose to give me an audio click that's great but I'm, I, you know, that's often, I only often use that to make sure that my click matches up yeah, and phases yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, really, really important. So, um, I mean, this is something that it was, it was a long time ago now, but I, I do remember um, just the revelation that putting a little bit more effort into your click track was uh, oh. for me when I, I discovered that there's more to it than just default click um, on crotchets. And, I mean, say s- slow tempos, and filling in the sub the, 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 the subdivisions with something else so that you can you can hold time, or uh, or just using stuff other than clicks actually, um, yeah, changing I mean, the sound. That, all of all of that stuff makes so much difference, and this is why kind of I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of like digging in slightly on kind of like what do you want? Because actually, oh, <laughs> on a slight side note about about clicks, I wrote a really an uh, what looked like a, a preposterously long piece quite a while ago about click tracks 
and I got to, I mean, I must have done 1,500 words on click tracks. I went, really? And now I looked back at it and went, <laughs> no, actually I could say more. <laughs> but um, no, what was it I heard the other day? Roachford track, was it Cuddly Toy or something? And it's kind of that thing where, you know where you get you get married to the click track <laughs> and you can't hear, imagine the track without. And it's got this like kind of like stick click the whole way through on fours and it's going, yeah, we know how that started off on that. I heard a rumour <laughs> that... Um, that's why uh, Don't Fear the Reaper has got the cowbell. I'm quite sure of it. it. Because they got so used to hit the cowbell all the way through the track, they muted it because it was the, it, effectively it was the click, and they went, it's just not the same. I, just, I, I, I struggle with that or, just because that, that scene with the more cowbell thing is so... Yeah. Is so <laughs> well, yeah, but the thing so, is, that's, <laughs> it, and that, I don't think it translates. I think that's an America thing because, seriously, it's just mm. not such a big thing in the UK. It's like, yeah, all right. But it seems to be kind of like Python status in, in, in the States. I don't know if I'm wrong. <laughs> Pro-audio but, Python, yeah. yeah maybe. It's, it's not Spinal Tap, though, is it? So do you commit the click to tape? Well, in my world, to be totally honest, um, you commit at the time of tracking. And I know that's <laughs> very ideal world, but I was chatting with someone today and um, he his workflow, he's still using a tape-based workflow. So it's all about commit. It's all about getting, you know, the right guitar effects pedals for the track and, you know, the right keyboard sounds on the way in because he's using the old-fashioned, should we call them, um, analog electronic keyboards like whirlies and clavs and things like that um yeah so i i love that i love the fact that you know if it worked live if it worked on a live stage or it worked, worked together in the room at the time stick to it it's probably going to work on, on record as well so mm. yeah so let's commit on the way in let's not worry about committing but of course when it comes to collaboration uh y- you know the person hosting the project may not have the same plugins as the person who is going to collaborate on the project may not have the same VIs or, or, you know, compressor and EQ type plugins. And so the option to be able to commit a version, uh, so that the collaborator can hear what was done in this in what's in the mix as it were i mean obviously if you're going to do bounce to bounce stems uh, as you uh, outline james in terms of you know kit or you know percussion bass uh click vocal and others then obviously inherently in doing those stems you're going to get you you are going to be committing absolutely um any anything of any consequence um and so it's interesting when you were talking about the um uh, not being able to you know somebody sending you a complete mix including the click and not being able to lift the click um all i would say is you if you ever get that again um and it's not practical possible etc to ask the client to resubmit what you really want um I check out the music rebalance module in RX7 because um with what I've already used it for you could almost certainly be able to adjust any one of the parameters that you want in terms of the click level um just push the percussion fader because anything with a transient will go up that's just audio uh, voodoo yes uh, <laughs> the bass has a separate fader and it and it does it is it comes across 
as if you were moving the fader on the stem or the sub wow. It is just scarily. So if you want a bit more vocal, just push the vocal one. It would come up. Um, yeah. Uh. <laughs> that, that, that's just, I, I remember when people used to say to me, when I used to work at Sibelius, when will I be able to put a CD in and it mm. produce the score? Yes. And I said, we're a little way off that. Well, the scary thing is with this level of technology, we're getting we're closer getting very all close. the time. Yes, indeed. So I said, not in my lifetime, something to do with Fourier, you know, French dude, yes. you know. <laughs> so on the subject of, of scores and stuff, I was thinking with this um, with this collaboration stuff. So, James, you receive a lot of stuff. How often do you receive any kind of chart? Um, as in written notation, very, very rare. Not necessarily notation, just some some writing down of what it is you're hearing beyond lyrics. All the time. Because for the for, for a guitar part, if I'm putting a rhythm guitar part down, I certainly want the chords. Um, because quite frankly, the chances are they've worked them out already. So why not give them to me rather than making so my take me exactly work. of like, look, yeah, I could yes. work them out, you but you already to, know them. <laughs> yes, um, or to do the dictation. Yeah, the the one thing I will that I do tend to do is I will mark the. I say mark the score. I'll mark the session up with markers. So I'll give myself, you know, V1, V2, C1, bridge. Yes. So I know, and I'll also give myself things like, you know, two bars to go marks, things like that, um, which often will tie up with a piece of, uh, like a, uh, a printed out sheet that I've been sent or whatever. Um, yeah, quite quite often Unless it's a, a, a track I'm working on, in fact, no, even even a person that shall remain nameless sends me chords most of the time. Because um, I'm an MP3 sure, and a, a vocal, you know, I'm sure I said because one of my um, sort of one something I think is quite overlooked, and it's a bit of a faff to use. I totally ad- ad- admit, but the chord ruler. In yes. Pro Tools, I'm one of the few mm. people I know who ever uses that, and I think I shared something with you, and I marked it. Up. You did, and I was very impressed by it. Yeah. I went, "What is what is this?" Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And it's, <laughs> what, it, what it is is it's just kind of like I like to have that stuff, not because you couldn't, but it's just kind of like, "Where am I?" Oh, that's and it's yes. if it's there, You've, why not? It's just it's just so much easier to to jump around the session when it's all properly marked up. Mm. It's, it's, it's it's based on some Sibelius technology that that we. We, <laughs> I had nothing to do with the creation of. Let me just add at that point that we, as Sibelius, started building in to, to be able to write chords in a much easier way. Now, obviously, with the Sibelius integration into Pro Tools, a lot of that was also imported over, which was great. It's just not quite there. It's not quite as slick as you'd like it, and well, it hasn't received things, any invitation. I mean, any hasn't received any attention for quite some time. Exactly, though. and that's mm. one of the things that actually is quite annoying. The the things like the um, score page within Pro Tools, they've received no love, and yet Sibelius has continued to develop a pace. So. Um, Let's have some of that, please. Let's have some of that surveillance integration pulled over into Pro Tools, like was supposed to happen. <laughs> so um, the, the bit, I mean, we're talking about that stuff, but I mean, a lot of what Dan's talking about in here is it's about um, having a uh, a collaboration-ready session. 
Yes. Yes. And I mean, really, it's just kind of like, I mean, he sort of touches on it, but the thing that you want to do is you want to uh, just offer all of the stuff that's on the timeline, presumably you're sharing Pro Tools to Pro Tools, all of the stuff that's on the timeline to the other person and not give them any of the other tat that you don't need. Yeah. So you should have a, a when you select your uh, everything on the timeline, you should have a totally selected clips list with no other ones that aren't selected. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, essentially, that uh, what I would recommend is you take your working session, you do a save session as initially, so you've got a different version. So you anything you're about to do will not affect your working session. With that save session as you clean it. So you you effectively get it to a point where only the stuff the collaborator needs is in that session. And then once you've done that, you then take that session and you do a save session copy in. Because what that will do is it will create a copy of that cleaned session. And by doing a save session copy and you check the audio files for option in that in the save session copy you provide the collaborator with only the audio files that they need and that way you prevent the missing files window appearing because if you've you know, if you don't do that and you just do a save session as and then share the audio files folder of your main session a there's going to be shed loads of stuff in that audio files folder which you won't need or collaborator won't need and by doing save session copy in it will produce a slimmed down version of the audio files folder it is a copy but because it starts at the same point as your working session when the collaborator sends back your uh, their work you can just import their tracks into your working session and you're good to go. Hallelujah. And for uh, going back to the days when I, I used to teach, any former student of mine listening to listening to that, do you remember how I spent two years telling you that and you still didn't do it properly? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, Me totally, the, the, I'd, I'd add one extra thing to that, which is I think, I think it's helpful for anybody, actually, because you can get this stuff wrong and it's just kind of a bit embarrassing and a faff to, get, mm. to get, put it right afterwards. Save your session to a different drive to the one that your first session was on, then yes. eject the drive your original session was on and yes. open up the session. And if all is well, make it's sure definitely it, yeah. well. Um, yes. Exactly. And exactly. If you do that, exactly. It's exactly. Good. <laughs> yes. Totally. 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 Okay. On that uh, excellent advice, I think we will move along. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, Exponential Audio are offering podcast exclusive deals, uh, and at the moment. Um, and in a moment, I'm going to read out a special URL. So uh, get good old-fashioned pen and paper ready, because this link will not be in the show notes. You have to listen to the podcast to get this, to get the details on this offer. Right now, Michael Exponential Audio is offering the Nimbus Stereo Reverb for $139.90 instead of the normal price of $199. Uh, but this offer is only on for a short period, probably only about a week. But the good news is the link I'm going to read out to you will work for whatever uh, 
podcast exclusive deal Michael is offering uh, over the next month or so. So um, what I suggest you do is you go to the uh, homepage of Exponential Audio. So you get the exponentialaudio.com URL in your browser and then add to the end of that a forward slash and then this word which is pte special all one word all lowercase so it's exponentialaudio.com forward slash pte special all one word all lowercase when you land on that page there is uh, the product which is currently on offer and an option to buy now and that will take you straight through effectively to the store no worrying about whether you're in the dollar store or the uh, euro store it will you'll be able to buy it straight from that page uh, and away you go so exponentialaudio.com forward slash pte special okay on to feedback from the community krista johnson's been in touch hey guys first of all I have to say thank you for the service you're providing to the community. I've learned so much from being an avid listener to your podcast for years now. And also thank you to everyone else who's contributed to making this community and uh, the resource that it is. Now to my find of the week. I have been very busy the last six months on set with a TV drama series. So busy, in fact, that I completely missed the expiration date of my Pro Tools Ultimate subscription. I started out trying to get back into the subscription and after having battled the Avid website for a while, turned to their customer service. Unfortunately, they were less than helpful seeing as my subscription had passed. Fortunately, I got to borrow a colleague's licence and managed to get through the project I had at hand. Thanks, Eric. Yesterday, I picked up the trail again, this time heeding your often recurring message by going to my local dealer, in this case ProLid. I had purchased a used HD11 license without the hardware, but because of Avid's strict rules, the license was still registered on the previous owner's account. I just had his iLock. Going to my dealer, I mentioned this, and he quickly started sorting everything out for me. He got the old HD11 license transferred to my account. He got me a nice upgrade deal for the perpetual license, and everything went very smoothly and super speedy with his back channels to Avid support. So now, less than 24 hours later, I'm back on track again, in better order than ever. If you listen to this, Johannes, thank you so much for your time and effort. So hopefully my point's gotten across. My find of the week is my local dealer and also good colleagues. That's really interesting. And mm. a good dealer. I, I, I want that dealer. Yes. <laughs> so very useful indeed. Um, next one is from uh, Mike Berry, who says, thank you to the team for your work. It's greatly appreciated by me. Uh, please pass this along to James Ivy. Hello. James, wakey, wakey. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Did, has he stopped talking about loudness yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 15 all. <laughs> um, it's a comment on your interview, James, recently with Fab DuPont uh, regarding a problem with Pro Tools metering and what to do about it. Um, I was surprised at 1648 into the discussion to hear that Avid's meters don't agree with anything else. Both James and Fab seem to believe this. I do know that the M-boxes had some problems that makes them operate at strange levels, but I thought everything else was okay, and this worried me, so I took a look into it. 
Uh, he then goes into lots of detail about how he went about testing the meters in Pro Tools and his tests were all done with tone and showed that the meters do correlate as he expected with the exception of the VU meter which he believes is wrong um, but in my opinion uh, zero VU is equivalent to plus four dBU so therefore zero dB is should be minus 14 dBFS uh, with a minus 18 reference so um after all of that, James, you were obviously in the room with Fab. Um, what was the root of the conversation uh, uh, about this uh, Pro Tools metering? Right. Our discussion primarily hinged around stuff in the outside world, not necessarily the Pro Tools meters and um, direct hardware integration. In my case... The meters on my Audient console. So, for example, in my case, and I'm sure this is something to do with the setup and the tweaking that can be done in the, in the system that I just haven't done through time, inclination, but mainly time. If I put a tone through my console, have it set to uh, zero VU or minus four, uh, DBFS on the meter on the master meters that does not line up with the versions of that in the meters in Pro Tools. Now, this is probably because of looking at different metering scales and different things showing up on on the let's let's refer to them as the meters, not VU or or yeah. full scale or anything like that. Let's just call them the meters on the console. Don't tally with what Pro Tools is saying it is. Now, what Fab and I, I, I without trying to put words in his mouth, what we were uh, alluding to is this problem that you might be outputting at around you know minus 18 on pro tools but it might be coming back into the console for whatever reason uh gain staging or line level adjustment into the console it might be coming back at zero vu things don't always line up as they should now yes in an ideal world we would go through with whatever adjustment system we are using, be that the um, software platform that I use alongside my Antelope Orion 32HD, which does give me a certain about, amount of um, level adjustment. In the back of the old blue-faced 192 interfaces, all the cards had their own little watch tweaks tweakers watch, yeah watch mender screwdriver type things where you Indeed. could adjust the levels to make everything line up not all interfi or interfaces i'm never quite Ooh. sure what the, what, what the plural is have that feature i'm sure there probably is for things like the apogee stuff i'm sure there are tweaks i don't believe there is with the universal audio stuff um i don't think that level of meter tweaking is in there well it was the sort of it's the it's the level adjustment in the level trimming for the inputs and the outputs yeah i don't believe that to to the you know to the 0.1.2.3 db i don't believe that's there i could be wrong and if i am wrong i'd love someone to tell me certainly i'd love someone to tell me how to tweak my orion 32 hd 
to get everything matching up. But Fab is, you know, a a, a highly decorated engineer and producer. Uh, I don't sadly have any um, metal work on my walls in the form of discs or anything like that. But we seem to have the same problem. Things just don't. Yeah, I mean, Fab Fab's traveling around, going from studio to studio. Yeah. Um, and clearly, again, it, it's not it's not just uh, James in his shed that. Uh, is having this issue it's it's an issue uh, across many high-end studios around the world now i read Uh, mike's full description (laughs) of because because mike was kind enough to get because this mike was kind enough to give me a heads up and say you might want to read this before you start talking about it um and mike berry in this case was talking about using um was not talking about using consoles in, in his yeah. um, solutions and his tests. He was talking about round trip in and out of interfaces, which is mm. great. So A, it's great to know that that works and it is all good. We do, however, have some problems when we're bringing either older kit in, like, you know, older Neve or SSL consoles, um, newer kit, like my audience console. And because there is the variation of what, it shouldn't be different, but as soon as you start mixing your metaphors between VU, DBFS, yeah, yep. um, help me out, you've Mike. Got, and you've also <laughs> well, but essentially you've got you know DBU, DBM, DBFS, DBV, uh, DBV. If you're a Tascam user, um, that was a um, uh, yes, uh, wrong, but anyway. never mind. Um, uh, don't get me started. Um, but essentially, and then you've got issues about especially when you're going from say dbu to dbfs you can determine the reference and as uh, as mike berry quite rightly points out he's set in in pro tools what that rep that offset is so for him um zero dbu is equivalent to minus 18 dbfs which is generally uh, the accepted rule but there are people who will correlate uh, zero dbu to minus 20 dbfs you've got different opinions and i suspect most of the problems that both you and fab are having are those sorts of issues where there is a uh, because it's effectively that that correlation between dbfs and dbu as in the voltage of the signal level coming out of your console into how close to the digital headroom of of pro tools do you want to go is a matter of opinion um and so yeah it's it's a minefield it's Um, messy at best yes i i i've been quite quiet throughout this but um i this is reminding me of uh, a very happy afternoon that i spent i, I did it a few times actually with uh with old blue face 192s with the trim mm. pots lining that up against yeah. an ssl it's kind of like yeah. it's if you if you like doing that kind of thing then yeah and i do actually because i'm a bit odd please like come that. around and help it was, it's, it's great but the thing is <laughs> well, be, I, because one of the things i earned my living from because so. you've got the tools to do it so it's just kind of yeah. like you're slating going okay i've got a reference level here and I'm lining up my equipment down to it. Now, I mean, it's a good point and something that hadn't occurred to me. So while you were saying that, I was just in Focusrite Control looking to see, okay, if I want to use um, the DB25 connections on the back of my Red 4 Pre, which is something that mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't do, apart from a couple of channels out to my uh, my preamp, but no kind of proper – there's no metering on my preamp, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but um, – for connection to something like a mixer, of course, you want 
you want your reference to t- tally between the different meters, or the meters become meaningless. The meters are for measuring, and you know it's like if like having a elastic ruler, it's yeah, it's pointless. Um, there's loads of this stuff, and I'll just as an example, I don't want to pick this one out particularly, but I'll just go. Well, what about the Quantum forty eight forty eight, the new PreSonus box? That's just a load of DB twenty fives on a box hmm. for precisely this kind of application to, to just like chuck in and hook up a load of analog gear. Don't quote me on this because I'm just having a look through the PDF, but I can't see any facility for lining up, and that's fine as long as 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 long as one side of that analog connection has the facility to trim, so that you can line stuff up properly. But if you don't, then you're kind of stuck with what you've got, and if it's wrong, there's nothing you can do. Now, this strikes yeah. me as a little bit sort of similar to the whole Thunderbolt port thing in that, um, uh, oh, we'll leave it to somebody else to provide the second Thunderbolt port <laughs> so you can do something. Do you see what yes. I mean? It's like that yes. adds cost to the peripheral, and you want to yep. price your gear competitively. If you want add a load of adjustment pots all over your gear, it's going to drive the cost up. And if you can leave that to the other party, then you win. And this might be what we're getting. Yeah, and, and also the reality is there are less and less people going out to analog gear where this level matching between the digital world and the analog world matters for anybody working inside the box why do i want to spend money on an interface which has got all those lovely tweaks when i'm not going out the box true but we do also have kind of like a bit of a proliferation recently i've noticed it of boxes that i mean like you mentioned antelope uh, we've mentioned i mean uh uh, the the Red Pre-16, to bring focus right mm. into it, this um, PreSonus box I'm talking about, of stuff that is designed precisely for that because yeah. it's just a load of DB25. And if that isn't for connecting to a mixer, I don't know what it's for. No, that's true. So, no, very good But it's point. like the adjustment's got to be one side of those things, and, it's, and as long as it's somewhere, it doesn't matter. But when it's nowhere, mm. then you've got a problem. Okay. I think uh, as time is moving on, we will go to the questions from the community, uh, which are sponsored by RSP Audio Solutions. The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. So we're starting a series of tips from our friends at RSPE Audio Solutions, as unlike some suppliers, they actually know a thing or two about the boxes that they sell. Uh, And this first tip is about adding default inserts from your Yukon Surface. Um, And we'll put the details of this tip in the podcast notes. Um, But again, very useful. And as we were talking about good quality dealers earlier on, uh, I think the fact that dealers here know a thing or two about the stuff that they're uh, selling is is. Is always a bonus. Yes, I wish it was. It was. I wish it was a standard feature. Shall we say? But not always. (laughs) No, indeed. Okay, uh, Julian. First question, please. Gregory Lawson's been in touch. Hi, team. Question one. When I record my 11 rack into Pro Tools 2018 with a heavier preset, how can I reduce the noise, that annoying crackling that's produced and thereby recorded on my track as well? Question two for James. If you have the time, not urgent, I wonder if you could weave some of your mastery ooh, and uh, tell me how to set up a rig in uh, 11 rack 
to copy the wonderful heavier and affected sound as produced by Robert Smith of The Cure in the song Underneath the Stars. Um, okay, so there are, as with many things, there's an awful lot we don't know here. Um, crackling noise. Interesting. Uh, what amp model are you using? Uh, what do you have set up in front of that amp model? Just saying it's a heavier sound could be a bit vague. Um, cra- Sounds like distortion yeah, to me. Cr- I mean, but, but crackle- n- not nice distortion, yeah, crackling infers some sort of, to me, some sort of interference. Sounds like a dodgy lead to me. Are you using <laughs> yeah. a, a, a good quality lead? Are you in, is your guitar, does your guitar use single coil pickups? Do you have a fluorescent tube in the room? All these things are actually really, really relevant when recording with guitar. Um, in my old studio, way many moons ago, I used to have to sit in a certain direction, pointing a certain way if I played my Strat on my telly, because single coil pickups and the lights didn't work so well together. Or, or I could be in the darkness, you know, but hey. Um so we need a bit more information on that one. Um, I don't know this particular song, but I will certainly have a, a look and a listen. As I've done in the past, the best way to start with recreating people's sounds from their rigs is do a bit of digging and find out what they used. Often, I mean, certainly um, guys like David Gilmore and Eric Clapton, and um, the, you can find the specs of the, of their rig on their websites. I'm not sure whether The Cure possibly go into that sort of um, uber levels of the, nerdiness. Have a look but, at the pictures. Well, exactly. Have a look at the, li- the, the live recording pictures, the stuff on stage. If there's gear, there's a fair chance they didn't have loads of different things in the studio. Well, reasonable chance. Um, and have a look at that. I mean, yes, I'll have a listen, see if I can come up with anything. But often, a lot of my, certainly my, the sound, the series I did, the 11 rack series I did what feels like a million years ago now was based on sounds where you could find out what, what they were using. And then it's actually very, very easy from there on in to, to build the sound, you know, just you, you start using your ears and you start working out what order things go in. Um, but I'll have a look. I can't say it'll be anytime instantly imminent, if that's a real phrase, because I'm up to my neck in videos and all sorts of things at the moment. But yeah, I'll have a look and see what I can do. But certainly, um, Gregory, get back to me and let me know a little bit about um, your signal chain and do as we always say, which is when you change something and test something, change one thing at a time. Change the cable, try a different guitar, try a different point in the room, turn the lights on and off, all those sort of things. It, It can make a massive difference when recording guitar. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it's just it's kind of stating the obvious here, but depending on how bad this, uh, if if the crackling you're describing is kind of you know hiss as opposed to crackling, I don't know how how significant your use of the word crackling is. Um, you you have tried a noise gate because for all the high gain sounds, they're kind of usually yeah, an option. Totally. Um, the noise gates are a whole can of worms on their own, and honestly, sometimes the cure is worse than the, the disease. The <laughs> I see yes. what you did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, oh, very good. oh, well, yeah. oh <laughs> that was obviously <laughs> clearly you unintentional. Did, I didn't, but hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, see, yeah, I'd have yeah. styled that one out, Julian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone with <laughs> that. But uh, but you know, it's it's, it's just a thought. But I mean, I, I don't I don't know about how far you've got into this. But you know, if you're not using a noise gate on a high gain sound and you don't like the noise use the noise gate it's what it's for 
and there is a noise gate, noise gate in the 11 rack. So maybe that could help you out. Uh, so George Majerus has been in touch. I am running a Pimped Mac Pro 2010 at 12 core, 96 gig of RAM with an SSD. Wow. Yeah, well done. That's a lot of RAM. <laughs> he's, he's got a nice interface as well, AX32. Yeah. Um, uh, with an NVIDIA GTX 980 Ti graphics card on High Sierra 1013.6 in Pro Tools. And only in Pro Tools, I'm now experiencing odd graphics behaviour where sometimes I see a kind of overlay of information, especially when trying to slide clips, making it virtually impossible to align clips together. It's like many layers of tracks layered on top of each other. I could send you screenshots, but your contact form doesn't allow attachments. Recently, NVIDIA updated their drivers, and it may well be the time when this behaviour started, but I'm not sure. 10.13.6 is still not approved by Avid. Possible reason for my misery. Any thoughts on where to start troubleshooting? I'm a bit lost, I must say. Well, uh, fortunately, George, the answer is uh, relatively quick. Uh, the issue you are describing is a known issue with 10.13.6 and Pro Tools, which is why Avid have not approved it. So I'm afraid you have two choices. Um, put up with it or roll back your OS to 10.13.3, uh, which I think was the last uh, version of High Sierra that was approved by uh, Avid. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, uh, you have um, uh, been brave and uh, gone to a version of the OS that isn't approved by Pro Tools, that isn't approved by Avid, and unfortunately, that what you're experiencing is, is exactly the reason why Avid haven't approved it. Uh, and my gut feeling is with Mojave out now, it'll never get approved. Um, they probably won't spend time approving 10.13.6, they'll go straight to uh, Mojave. So, um, yeah, either uh, put up with it or roll your OS back to uh, an earlier version of High Sierra. Check on the Avid compatibilities, which the last one was that was supported. But from memory, it's 10.13.3. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. And even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it in. I've not been on the podcast for a couple of weeks now, but I can now officially say it is time for Find of the Week. Hi, you're listening to the Pro Tools Expert Podcast Find of the Week, proudly sponsored by Synchro Arts. Synchro Arts are proud to announce the release of Revoice Pro version 4, the ultimate toolbox for timing and pitch adjustment, containing over 70 new features and improvements to sonic output, workflow, and performance. Revoice Pro 4 can save you hours of editing time in the studio, ensure high production values, and help you achieve your creative vision. Get a 14-day free trial over at SynchroArts.com today and take advantage of the 20% off introductory pricing on all new licenses and upgrades. And you can see the link in the podcast notes below. 
Okay, uh, Julian, what's your find of this week? My find of the week is the Neumann KH310 monitors, which I absolutely adore and I want to keep and I might have to buy. I don't know. It's just They've, they've <laughs> thrown me into a crisis because they're just fantastic. They tick my boxes many times over, and I've written lots of things that I think about them in a review that went out yesterday. Yes, yes, it was yesterday. Yeah. And I absolutely love them, but I want to do an honourable mention for something that I just happened to turn on on the telly on Saturday night, I believe. Turned on halfway through. <laughs> and my honourable mention is for Gareth Malone's All-Star Music Quiz, who people in the UK will know as kind of like the slightly likeable, sort of slightly geeky choir guy who mm. goes out and teaches people to sing in groups. And he's doing this thing with some celebs. And it's a music quiz format. Generally, it, it was a bit. It wasn't a great program, but I happened to turn on in the middle of a quiz round where they were doing identify the song by listening to elements from the multi-track building up a layer at a time. And I went, I love this. I want a whole program of just this, and it was great. It really was. And then they went on to the next round, and it was a bit rubbish. So you know, but if you haven't seen it and you're in the UK and you can watch it on iPlayer then check out that round because I just thought that is my ultimate pub quiz. I want someone to do that. <laughs> <laughs> James, what about you? Okay, so uh, last week I was very fortunate to be invited out to Russia of all places for a couple of different uh, reasons. One for an audio event that I was um, hosting, I suppose is the term. I was um, doing a workshop for a load of recording engineers and production guys out there. Uh, and I was also invited out to the Soyuz factory where they make rather lovely microphones. Um, but you will have seen a couple of weeks ago a review of the baby Soyuz, the little one, the SU-023, the bomblet mic. And it's an absolutely awesome, awesome piece of kit. Uh, it is now my go-to acoustic guitar mic. Um and it proved its worth on the session at, at, a, at a rather beautiful um, studio just outside Moscow, where we put it on acoustic guitar next to a vintage U67. And the 15 or so of us in the room all agreed that the bomblet was the better sounding mic of the two. So spend a, a, a smidge over a grand on a, a new mic or, uh, well, let's face it, possibly $10,000? On a vintage 67. Ah, anyway, uh, you can check the review that I did in the podcast notes over there somewhere. Mike, yourself. Okay, so mine's uh, got nothing to do with audio hardware uh, and everything to do with something I inter uh, alluded to earlier in the podcast, uh, as I'm in the process of doing a full clean install on my laptop. Uh, but one of the things that always put me off from doing this, I think, oh, no, I can't be bothered, can't be bothered, was all the passwords, etc., that I have. Because, so, of course, when you do a clean wipe of a drive and you start again, all those sorts of things, like all the passwords that are saved, um, all get lost. And it's like, can I remember all my passwords? And Because, of course, I have multiple passwords because I don't have the same password for everything. Um, and uh, so it's always sort of put me off. And uh, But I finally bit the bullet and did it and really came and came to realize that for instance google chrome which is my uh, preferred browser has a feature where um if you're logged into a, a google account that you can tra effectively transfer all the 
information, including passwords, from one Google Chrome browser on one machine to another machine. So that saved me an inordinate amount of grief. And also, as I was doing this, I realized that Apple have uh, something that probably everybody in the world knows about, but I've only just clocked, is that part of, again, Apple's sort of uh, iCloud setup um, is that you can transfer your Apple keychain stuff from one machine to another. So with those two things, uh, it was it made the whole process so much easier to do uh, and certainly will mean that I'm much less likely to bottle out of doing a full clean install every so often um, because of all of those uh, losing all of that information and then having to go around and probably saying, yes, I forgot my password and then having to go and update how painful the password on all sorts process. of other machines. It's hmm? got the, it, that, that whole process is so painful. Yes. But uh, anyway, it's it's done now. And that, those two little things, uh, Google Chrome password syncing and the Apple's keychain cloud-based uh, sharing uh, made that a lot less painful than it would have been. So on that uh, note, it's a good night from me. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Good night. <laughs>